Hello and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Jazz Deep Sing to Gun. So time to settle down and sit our in. Hello, 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 and welcome to the first episode of a new series of the mighty Watford Jazz Junction podcast. Welcome to you wherever you are. And if you're a first time listener, you're of course most welcome. And I've noticed we've got listeners all over the world nowadays. So shout outs to Seattle, Washington DC, Wichita, New Orleans, New York, Mexico, Belgium, Germany, Singapore, Malaysia, Japan, France, Spain, and Turkey. Thank you all. Danke, merci, and de chicula. So also keep checking out our website, whatforjazzjunction.com, and you'll see the link to our amazing lockdown performance from Emma Smith, fated by Radio 6 and Radio 2, and the wonderful Keris Matthews, and available to watch now for free. And if you're in Blighty, you can register to watch two real gigs too in sunny Watford with the Chrissingham Quartet and the Tony Kofi Quintet later in the year. Now, today, I'm in conversation with a fabulous musician, a player who thrives on the classical scene, but who has taken in rock, fusion and jazz en route, a master of his craft, a composer of renown, a sitar sensation. It can only be the tremendously talented Jazdeep Singh de Gun. Jazdeep, hello, how are you? Hi Chris, how's it going? It's good to be here. Yeah, it's all, all is well in the world, I think. And whereabouts in that world are you? Um, I'm up north in Leeds. Um, I'm sat in my front room and I'm looking out of the window and it's not ra- it was raining, but it's not raining anymore. So um, silver linings, eh? Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. So I know Leeds from back in my youth is a bit of a jazz epicentre, but presumably it's also uh, it's got strong Indian music links, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It is one of the hubs of Indian classical music in the whole country, for sure. Yeah, yeah, And there's a festival, Leeds, Bradford, am I making that up? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's the main festival of Leeds and Reading, but in terms of Indian, Indian classical music, there isn't a, a big Indian classical festival, but the jazz scene is pretty good here as well. So I'm going to ask you my sort of, my starter question for five. Um, what was your path into music in the first place? How old were you when you picked up a sitar? All of this I need to know. <laughs> um, well, actually, I started off as a vocalist. Right. Um, so at my um, at my primary school, they were offering um, some tabla and um, harmonium lessons. So harmonium is like this keyboard, it's like an accordion, but on its side, and um, it's very traditional to kind of Indian Indian music and uh, religious music. I'm I'm Sikh. I'm from the Sikh background, so religious music was kind of sitar and harmonium and vocals. So they offered um, classes like that in my school. I signed up for the tabla class, but they put me into the harmonium and singing class. Um, uh, when you're young, it was all the girls used to go into singing, and all the boys used to go into tabla. So I, I signed up for tabla, but they put me in, in the girls' class essentially, and um, and yeah, I think literally just from there, I just I just loved it. Wouldn't leave the music room. I just it was just a whole you know new world to me of like music, and and since there, I haven't really looked back. I I started sitar um a lot later on. So I Leeds College of Music was a is a big kind of hub and um, I used to do Saturday classes there as well as Sunday classes and um, as part of my Sunday class I was able to do a second study um, and I, I picked piano first didn't like that and then went to sitar uh, when I was around 15 didn't know so right. quite later on and then from there but obviously I had a I had a vocal background so I knew all the music it was just about learning the sitar itself which was very yeah, frustrating yeah. at that time oh I bet that that's kind of how it, how it started really so that rich background in uh, rhythm and tune, I guess, uh, with vocals, 
was that really fundamental to your foundations? For sitar, for no vocal is the is the thing that you need to learn as a sitar player because it's all about you kind know, of pulling the string and vocalizing um, all the phrases. You know, so that that's how it kind of works. So yeah, um, yeah having a having a vocal background uh, before going into sitar was definitely like kind of a leg up. So then you you made pretty swift progress because by the time you were eighteen ish, I, I you go off to to study music full time, right? Yeah, I um I mean I was because um music classes were always so I started off in school and then slowly slowly went to the kind of uh, the temple you know, the Sikh Gurdwara was doing classes in Kirtan, which is kind of devotional singing, and mm. then you know there was um and then at Leeds College of Music they used to do Saturday music school and uh, Yorkshire Young Musicians, which is a talent development scheme for under 18s Um, and my teacher um Ustad Dhanabir Singh was a pioneer of um uh, kind of bringing Indian classical music into Western institutions because their opportunities were there at Leeds College of Music. I was just able to kind of thrive in that um environment. I don't come from a musical family at all they don't know anything really about classical music or anything so it, it was because of my school and because of Leeds College of Music and my teachers Mustard Dharambir Singh and his wife Gunwant Kaur who, who literally just cultivated this kind of environment for Indian classical music in Leeds you know so there's there's a lot of kids like me who started off in school at the temples and, and kind of just forged their kind of careers or, or music learning outside of anything that's happening normally yeah, you know, around, yeah, yeah. around Leeds so um, yeah so it was, a, it was a very special kind of environment to be in so then quite a, a bold move to sort of wave goodbye to yorkshire tea cricket and and the music scene which must have felt very uh, embracing and all-encompassing at that time to head down to london because you studied at soas or the, the school of oriental and asian studies right yeah i, stu- I studied at soas i studied ethnomusicology which is kind of a fancy word for you know musicology with it's just, it, you know, it was more academic based rather than practical based mm. but obviously in this in this country there was nowhere to kind of study indian classical music in intensely at an institution so there was no point of me going to a conservatoire you know because mm, mm. I, I wouldn't have been i wouldn't have got the best out of it as a an indian classical musician um except for B- birmingham conservatoire is pretty good but i wanted to study academically because i always knew that my kind of practical study was always just going to be with my teacher and then we we learn under the guru shishya parampara which is a, uh-huh. a teacher-student relationship so my teacher is like my my dad you know but him and his wife are like my mom and dad so i go and stay at their house for a couple of days they live in leicester now um and i just kind of learn <laughs> eat sleep drink and you know they've got three boys um i consider myself one of the the fourth you know their fourth some almost and that's the kind of relationship that you have with your with your teacher and yeah so it's kind of it's like the modern day guru shishya parampat and i call i call them uncle and auntie you know that's how (laughs) that's how close so i remember many many years ago when i was at university i did social policy and i remember soas cropping up really quite frequently along with um, LSE, etc., as, as, as a really quite a political uh, institution, very much with a social conscience and, and driving things. Does, does that permeate into the music undergraduate programme there? Or is it very much standalone? I mean, it does. It does for sure, because um, ethnomusicology is a study of music and culture. So yeah. um, um, it's like anthropology of music. So you're, you're studying cultures through music, uh, which is really good insight. I obviously just specialised in South Asian classical music and, yeah. you know, um, the South Asian diaspora and I think that's where my passions lie. Um, me, myself, I found my... At SOAS, it was... I made my lifelong friends there and I loved the whole just being in London and, and networking and socialising and everything. But for me, 
I was just like, I just want to play. Don't really care if particular music thing was a social and political tool for the. I just want to sit and practice. You know, I just love music for the sake of music. Thank heavens, because otherwise I don't think I have quite the the academically uh, set questions for you as we go through, <laughs> as listeners will appreciate. <laughs> I'd much rather answer the uh, the normal <laughs> musical questions. I'm much more comfortable. Yeah. Phew, that's all good for me. Uh, <laughs> So, um, and listeners will also appreciate your answer to this question. Um, has jazz influenced your journey much uh, since those undergraduate days? Yes and no, because at least College of Music, um, my, my teacher, Stad Tanabi Singh, um, set up the Indian Music course, which was a jazz course. He had students like Jesse Bannister and Giuliano Modarelli. All oh, right. Giuliano is, is part of Kafaya. I don't know if you've heard of Kafaya. Yeah, yeah. quite big on the uh, kind of world music scene and jazz scene. Al McSween as well plays. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, plays piano. You know, they, they all kind of came up from Leeds um, with Jesse. Ban- Jesse Bannister is a saxophonist who's, he's one of my teacher's students, you know, senior students. And he was, he's obviously a lot older than me. So I grew up around that environment in Leeds with jazz course and jazz students coming and learning Indian classical music music from my teacher and so you know some of my they, they set up a band called um same which was shomik tata and pinda chaga um giuliano madrili kenny higgins as well um i was kind of growing up around these jazz musicians playing with indian classical musicians like right in front of our eyes yeah yeah i'd like just drop in at a rehearsal and there, there was a, a company called south asian arts uk uh, which my teacher set up and uh, they used to do concerts all the time and have some jazz musicians come in and do indian class obviously it was all based around Indian classical music but a lot of jazz musicians came in so I was always playing with Jules Giuliano a lot you know we played like concerts together Al McSween I played with them as well you know like Kafaya guys we've always had that kind of rapport I would say myself I've never studied jazz kind of academically or just formally at all yeah and I wouldn't call myself a jazz musician either at all but there are similarities of like improvisation concepts and things that are kind of very uh, universal to the to both traditions. Yeah. And I've worked with Shree as well um, and lots Hold of on. jazz musicians. Whoop, whoop to Shree. We love Shree on this show. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, and, and a big shout out to him because I know he's over in uh, Mumbai at the minute and uh, or Bombay uh, with his dad, etc. So, yeah, we're all thinking about you, man. Um, so, Jazz Deep, I realised that I actually first saw you on Goldies by Royal Appointment on TV, well, I don't know, probably about a decade ago. Um, yeah, that's a long time. That's crazy, huh? It's worth going on YouTube and checking it out because you actually do a really cool little performance with all these other guys. It's great. And uh, you, it's, it's almost uh, worth it to see uh, Prince, Prince Harry's face when you start playing. It's like, <laughs> whoa! But more recently, um, having just mentioned the man himself, uh, you play with Sri Sharam on uh, Just a Vibration and that fantastic collaboration in Huddersfield. And then I saw you most recently in a mesmeric, I think I wrote at the time or, or spoke at the time, set that you played during the EFG London Jazz Festival. Oh, yeah. So my question uh, to you relating to all of that sort of listening and awareness of your playing is what do you think makes for great collaborations? And do you like working with others? Not in a daft way. Or do you feel that you were best left your own space. Because when we saw you at EFG Jazz Festival, you were very much on your own and it was great. I love music, you know, that I think that's that's I just love I love music and I love the interaction 
of musicians and um, I just love that interaction. I think, uh, yeah, the Goldies Band project was, you know, I was 18 at the time, you know, so um, I hadn't been playing for long. Yeah, I was very much so kind of still on the cusp of, um, I hadn't gone to university yet, but I'd taken a, taken a year out to um, to just study on sitar, just do sitar and um, kind of study music and knuckle down. So, and that obviously was a big turning point when I, when I did the Goldies Band project because we were, you know, we I was playing with jazz musicians, I was playing with classical musicians, I was playing with um, literally everything. Um, and, you know, to perform at Buckingham Palace in front of Prince Harry kind of really does kind of give you a bit of confidence to say, yeah, okay, I want to take this as a full-time career. Yeah. Uh, probably a bit naively now looking back. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I enjoyed that process so much. I remember I remember the first time when I did that, I that was the first time I ever got goosebumps from listening to music whereas you know, my first and foremost love is Indian classical music I have just I love you know with a passion that's what I am that's what I strive to um, uh, to learn and to kind of um, be in you know like so and Indian classical music is a solo tradition so um, it's just based on the the sitar player themselves and an accompanist with tabla and yeah. um, we have a system called rag raga or rag which, uh, which is a melodic framework which you improvise on so once you pick a rag you can only use them notes of the rag for the entire performance and Indian classical music is about following that rule kind of set and um trying to kind of wring out as many phrases from that them kind of rules and boundaries it's getting into the in-depth so i'm a full-on pure classical musician yeah yeah fully fully i'm I'm that and i love that and but that doesn't mean that i cannot have a different side of where i also like doing and listening other music as well you know it's not you know i've grown up around such a rich tapestry of music you know i, I used to be part of national youth orchestra which was called samuel yeah, yeah. and with that it was one of the nine national youth orchestras so you have nyo nyjc uh, which is the national youth jazz collective the national youth brass band there's, there's nine national youth orchestras basically and samuel was one of them the south asian musical youth orchestra and we always used to do like collaborative stuff in the in the summer in the summer holidays yeah, when yeah. we were young so that in itself just you know i made friends with all of the guys from different styles and backgrounds right to when i went to university a lot of them were studying at Guildhall or like at you know royal academy you know like quabs you know who was um uh, i i met during goldie's band he was studying at royal academy at that time and i had friends at Guildhall who were who were studying there and i just used to go and you know go to their gigs they'd come to mind like this is at university and there's just that london vibe you just and i just love that i just love being in the thing and like telling I was very passionate about Indian classical music, so I just used to force all these things onto them. It's like, oh, what if you did it like this and like listen to this rag and blah blah blah. And I just, I was always in that environment, so I always just loved playing and doing stuff. So it was like, yeah, I just want to try, try everything, you know. Um, to to cut a long story short, yes, I do enjoy collaborating with different different musicians and and going through the process and seeing what what would happen. I feel now I've been very much so like kind of focusing on what my own sound is basically so after like exploring so much of what possibilities could be you know with you know with like a brass band and you know Indian classical and drum and bass what does that sound like you know the Goldie's Band project and all these other projects that I've done with Kafire and you know Jules and Al and Sarathi I, I, I play a lot with Sarathi Kordwar as well who's a fantastic um, um, jazz drummer and um, uh, Indian classical musician as well so you know that's always been parallel to my Indian classical music kind of career and and playing and learning you know that's always been parallel um but very much so when I'm 
playing Indian classical music, I'm playing Indian classical music. And when I'm doing the contemporary stuff, I'm doing the contemporary stuff. Don't know, there's, it doesn't seep over and I don't think it should. No. Indian classical music is such based in tradition and um, there are set rules and boundaries. And if you go out of that, it doesn't. it's not classed as classical music. So when I'm in that zone, I'm very, very much so following the rules and trying to find creativity within that thing. Mm. But mm. then when it comes to my contemporary things, it's like... That all goes out the window because you know you you have a different space that you're kind of tapping into and and playing around with and enjoying. So I don't have to stick to the dark. I could do different things and you know. So but very much so yeah, in my yeah. head, it's like okay, this is a contemporary thing and this is a classical thing. And there's a fine line that I feel that I kind of tread when I'm going between the two. So you you mentioned earlier uh, harp harpists and, and playing the harp and. When I was at uh, Winter Jazz Fest at the beginning of last year, which feels like a lifetime away now, um, but I was checking out a lot of Brandy Younger, who's a fantastic harp player in the States. And um, I was also listening to uh, Jamie Cullum's show on radio to this week, it must have been, or maybe last week, who cares? Um, But they also had Amanda Whiting on there, and she was uh, a harp player, again, from a very classical tradition, who is taking on jazz and I just wonder because a they're string instruments and they've got a, a strong lineage and, and history and you know for, for Amanda in Wales that's you know the national instrument of Wales and it comes with a whole associated uh, backstory of, of how the harp is played and and in what occasions to then move into different spaces as a an instrumentalist and in your case obviously a sitar player there is a huge tradition related as you've explained to playing the sitar do you find yourself taking a deep breath before you you do that, or do you do you define define the whole boundaries to yourself? Say no, this is really important. We have to keep moving forwards, and I'm very happy to be an ambassador outside of my my normal space. So I have found myself. So I do a lot of um, Western classical stuff as well. So um, and I've got a lot of interest in in, in Western classical music as well. So I work a lot with orchestras. I write as well. Um, I recently wrote a sitar concerto called Aria, which was uh, commissioned by Opera North up, um, up here in in Leeds. And, wow. Um, and that was um, basically a big um, orchestral commission. You know, so I was writing basically. Um, it, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! Are there many? sitar concertos in the western canon or is this you must be out there amongst very few yeah there are very few but there, there, there is precedent that you know, Ravi Shankar obviously um, composed three yeah, uh, yeah. sitar concertos as well as a symphony and then you know there's another contemporary of mine Jonathan Mayer who plays sitar he's, he's composed a couple as well and dotted throughout Europe there are you know there are instances of Indian classical musicians coming up and doing um, uh, sitar concertos I think in the past it's been very much so a guy from India has come over and guy from England or a guy from Europe has arranged something you know they've given a couple of lines and then they've arranged that for a big massive piece and you know it's a kind of meeting point kind of thing i feel like obviously that was 50 years ago you know ravi shankar's first siddhar concerto was 1970 71 so i feel like the time has changed so much since then i I myself i wasn't born in india i was born here yeah i've studied western classical music i studied composition i studied all that here as well as studying indian classical music but the thing is it's not even like oh i've got more validity than any other and i'm using quotation marks validity to them there's uh, <laughs> there was a point there was a point where i was like ah i'm supposed to like represent in classical music and then western classical music how am i supposed to do this and then i just had to take a step back and it's like you know what 
all I'm doing is I'm just making music that is coming out of me that I think sounds good. I'm just a product of my surroundings, which is in classical music and being born in England and watching Disney movies and, and um, uh, you know, cinema. And, you know, I'll, I'll go to Bridgewater Hall and watch the Halle Orchestra. And then in the you know, and then in the same Manchester thing, I'll go see an Indian classical concert. You know, I'm just a product of my surroundings here. So any music that comes out of, you know, my pen is is basically, it's just me. You know, I can't, I can't start to say, look, I'm representing Indian classical music and Western classical music and I'm the first person to bring these together in a, yeah, in a way that... Yeah valid quotation marks it it's not like that i kind of had to get away from that and just say you know what i'm just gonna make music what i think sounds good and if you like it great if you don't great i don't care i tell you what if you're a, if you're a younger musician listening to this uh hang hang back and repeat that bit that jazz deeps just said because being yourself and recognizing that you can only be you uh, is so important and i think for all everyone listening me included you know Finding your voice is one thing, but recognising that you can only have your voice and that it is going to be influenced and impacted by so many things is so important. Um, and since I've interrupted you so brilliantly, um, I was, you, you were talking then about, you know, Disney films and listening to the Halle, etc. Beyond music and, and the arts, are there other influences on your music, on, on how you think about the world? be that from, I don't know, nature and walking through to sport or, or, or anything else. I'd be really interested to know what else goes into the, the jazz deep melting pot. If I wasn't doing music, I would have studied uh, philosophy. I was always into theology and mainly not even theology it was philosophy that I really, really enjoyed. So I did university, I did all these projects and I really like um, I went to India and did a conservatoire there, very, very classical, very kind of thing for six months. And I came back and I was working commissions, you know, doing sessions, you know, record I was working as a recording musician, you know. And there was a point where I was like, Okay, now I've done all that kind of playing with other musicians and I'd, I had experience with Shri brass band there were some things that I think okay this was really good for what I liked and some things I didn't like that much there are some strings and sitar sounded really good I probably wouldn't put brass band in every single thing that I, I did you know because they're so different and the sitar is so quiet I had such sound issues and, and things like that and whereas you know the, the brass band were phenomenal I, I love listening to it and everything if it wasn't for Shri binding all that together I wouldn't know what to do you know um yeah. uh, well, well, oh, Jazz Deep, there's a reason that we sent all the brass players to Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did because they're on my doorstep, which is great. Uh, you know, so um, and, I mean, that's just one example. There was lots of, you know, like electronics and electronic music as well that um, a lot of my Indian classical friends are, are into. I'm not that into, you know, I didn't want to be contemporary for the sake of being contemporary anymore. You know, there was a point where I was like, OK, I've got all this experience and I've got all this things that I like No kind of works for sitar just but just by trying and testing you know like and just by doing it i kind of think and then it's like okay i need to put this together and i want to make my own record a contemporary record which is my yeah. music there's countless times where i was like mm, that chord doesn't fit with this particular indian melody but there's nothing i could do because it wasn't my project you know i've been in recording sessions where you know like rock musicians have asked for some sitar because they've heard it on the beatles records and i've gone in and played and you know it sounds absolutely atrocious but then you know, i've got to do my job and, and play it later so then you know i was only you know in my early 20s really early 20s at that point so it's like you know i don't care i'm just i'm getting some money from playing music you know how how cool is that you know like yeah exactly so but then there was a point when i came back from india and then i was like okay i need to knuckle down and actually figure out what 
what is it I want to say? What is my voice? What is the thing? And um, Nate and Sony is one of my you know all time idols. Um, and I remember I remember going into sessions with him, and then I showed him some of the music that I was doing, and then he just goes, he goes, it's good. He goes, but it doesn't. You haven't found your voice yet. And he goes, you need something to latch on to. He goes, what are your interests outside of music? What what drives you? What kind of, you know, you need to step back and, you know, whatever you've got is good and you can play and everything. But what the hell is he talking about? I don't care about love or all these kind of cliched things that kind of people talk about in music. For me, music is just music. I was I was in love with music. I was loving the process. Why would my life come into music? It, you know, music is music and I love that for the sake of that. Yeah. But then obviously when Nitin Sony tells you that, then you definitely think about it i remember making this chart and like what is a theme what is a narrative of the album and that was very difficult because I, I i i can't do stuff like that very well that i can't mm. write lyrics and you know, the lyrics are something that i, I never when i listen to songs i don't listen to lyrics i just listen to the music you know knitting came up he didn't you know, he goes his processes thinks of the song name first starts composing so he's got he's got a good idea of what needs to happen in that song just just from a very thematic point of view or just like a it's just something in the back of your head and i found that to be just so helpful in the kind of like yes you can think narratively but not in a way that's like wishy-washy it's just something just to like prick you into the right direction just like you know show you a bit of direction of where things need to take so i ended up i ended up calling my album an album called anomaly which is my debut album which isn't out yet but then that's what i've been working on for a long time over it is finished now that helped drive me in a, in a sense that kind of you know so then i started did started bringing drawing on like you know stuff from philosophy stuff from yeah. from my own personal life you know um relationships and but not not in a cliched way just in a in a way that will kind of like help drive a particular composition in a direction whenever i get stuck you know right now are you ready for my brand new quick fire quiz challenge it's called ravi or not here i strum i worked really hard on that <laughs> right are, are you ready <laughs> all right go on hit me what what is john coltrane's middle child called oh uh, ravi his name's ravi isn't it yeah <laughs> 10 points how many grammys did ravi shankar collect over his lifetime was it none two or five well he got an honorary one yeah um uh, he got an honorary one so um so that rules out zero so i'm gonna say two five which five. by the way is four less than nora jones believe it or not next question have you ever played the electric sitar uh not publicly <laughs> um how many strings does your sitar have uh it has 19 18 or 19 18 18 right and i just counted yeah uh, my my crash course in sitar playing revealed to me you can have 18 to 21 strings is that right uh yeah and, and what what difference does that make sorry i've gone off tangent suddenly there's two main different styles of sitar playing one is the ravi shankar style and one is our style which is the Vlad khan style which focuses much more on the vocal vocalization of phrases so we pull and right. bend the string a lot more so and the ravi shankar style has um extra bass strings they play more in the tantrakari which means a lot more kind of technical in terms of right hand movements they play a lot of like da 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 all this kind of very kind of rhythmic patting patterns and stuff right final question uh in the ravi shankar themed quiz sitar and jazz sitar and pop sitar and classical why choose or it's always got to be solo ah uh no why choose why choose yeah we've got a full house 
10 points, 20 points. Oh my gosh, you got 87 points. That's extraordinary. Right. <laughs> now, I've got um, one set question for you before we go into uh, top album time. Um, and my set question, Jazdeep Singdagun, is this. Can ears that are fully accustomed to Western harmony learn to fully embrace the instruments and modalities of India and Asia? Or will it always remain an incidental? Discuss. That is a tough, tough, tough question. My friends, you voluntarily come on to the Watford Jazz <laughs> Junction. This is how <laughs> we is, roll. That is a really tough question because in my experience, so I know loads of um, jazz musicians who don't come from an Indian background, um, uh, who, who have studied Indian classical music and are loads. But um, for me, Indian classical music finds its beauty, this is me personally, in its, in its embellishment. So, for example, so if I was to sing something like um, there's all, I mean, I can't sing that well, but um, uh, there's all these embellishments that it, you have to kind of you learn and imbibe. You know, it's like a, it's like learning a language. You know, um, if you're kind of born in it. You know, I think like me born into an Indian family that watched Indian films like 24-7 with vocal embellishments that I've been listening to as a kid, even though I didn't study it formally, it's still kind of part of my psyche. That makes a big difference of when you're playing and learning Indian classical music because you can play the notes and you can do all the kind of rhythmical stuff and everything. But then there's that added masala, you know, the added embellishment that kind of makes the music, mm. the music, you know, and getting them embellishments are, is very tough you know even even for people in the tradition even when i say in the tradition even someone with the same cultural background from india they would still find these embellishments very difficult to execute or some people are just can do it very very well and that you know that yeah, is yeah, yeah. i think one of the things that i've just seen in my experience has been that's the bit where i think ah as long as you can get that little embellishment completely perfect then i would be fully sold on them kind of performing indian classical music in in that bubble but then i have seen um uh, this guy there's a sitar player in um uh, in in america called josh feinberg he's a white guy um and um he's got jazz i think jazz background um uh, or he's a bit he was a bass player before and he's got these murkis then we call them murki or gamak um to a t so um and that's really nice to see he's he he plays really right. well in terms of his left hand and you know that that is something to kind of think whereas you know like jesse bannister plays saxophone so he gets the embellishments but he's playing on a saxophone that has buttons and we we have fluidity in our music you know that kind of thing so jess you know comes very 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 close to that thing and he has cultivated his own style of playing based on his instrument so you know yeah, that yeah, is yeah. so commendable as well you know the work has gone in and, and done that and he performs fantastic in new in classical music but you know, as a vocalist and as a sitar player what i find the best in music is that wicked execution of um, uh, these embellishments in a way that kind of that that is my what i like hearing the best it's so interesting i think as the world gets smaller and generations begin to meld more the more we see that yeah, happening yeah. than aware like music is just universal and everything but it's like it's like languages you're um, uh, someone who's born in India and speaks Hindi or Punjabi really well will always speak better than the person who's gone who's learned English as their first language and gone to to India yeah to me it sounds a bit like you know when you're watching the telly and you see someone from a non-English speaking country speaking English and you go god they've got no accent they're speaking really well in English or in American or whatever and and, and I think it's really quite similar in that sense of what you were, that big theme you were talking about about language 
about what you grow up with. You can learn the language, but it doesn't necessarily mean you've you've mastered its expression and in your words, the embellishments, which are obviously so, so important. Yeah, it's like when you're going from styles, like I know my mother tongue for music is Indian classical music. So when I do dwell by of that, I'm very aware yeah. of what my strengths and what my weaknesses are, you know? So at the moment I'm studying harmony as much as I can, because I know that's something that is m- not missing from our tradition, but is not as focused on in, in Indian classical music. So when I do sitar concertos and things like that and working in, you know, with jazz musicians, I remember when I worked with Shri, you know, he he really enjoyed working with me because I was listening to, you know, I was I was aware of what the harmony was, you know, like that that interests me and I like doing that. And, you know, he was like, like, mate, you know, I've sat with so many Indian classical musicians and they just play, go off and play whatever they want and don't actually listen to what I play on bass. And I was just listening to what he was doing as a musician, you know. It doesn't even matter what he was playing. It was just yeah. um, doing that. So, I, yeah, I mean, my point was just, yeah, I know what my mother tongue is and I feel like you can learn five languages, seven languages, but what you dream it, you know what they say, what you dream in is, is like, you know, do you dream in English or do you dream in, you know, what languages do you speak when you swear? That kind of shows like what your mother tongue is. So I feel like with Indian classical music, I know that Indian classical music is my foundation, is my bedrock of, of musical language. So then when I go out into the world, I know that I might speak with an accent, but who cares, you know, like I know where I'm kind of coming from and that that's fine. I can go and I can go off and do sitar concertos. I can go off and play with brass bands. I can go off and do anything. I'm just playing sitars. Wonderful. Jazzy, you, you, you're going to get a bonus uh, 50 points for that answer. That was brilliantly done. Right. So we're at that stage. We're, we're almost done. You're almost off the hook, Jazzy. But very quickly, your top three albums, what do you recommend for the Watford Jazz Junction listener? That, this is a really tough one. This is a really tough one as well. My um, all-time favourite album ever is is an Indian classical album called Pure, P-U-R-E, Pure. And it's, um, it's by a, a vocalist called Koshiki Chakrabarti. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful, but she's a fantastic singer. She's like literally the best singer you'll ever, ever hear. I don't know. She's my favourite vocalist. Nice. So, Pure goes in, into the top three. What's next? Then I probably think it's probably Anushka Shankar's Rise. Nice. Um, uh, that's, a, that's a really good album because that was the first album that I heard like some like tasteful Indian classical music being mixed with Western sounds in the, with quotation marks, you know. Okay, number three. And then at the moment, my favourite album at the moment now that I'm being I'm listening to is Nitin Sony's Immigrants. He's just released a new record with like in yeah. the last couple of weeks, you know, last month or something. Nitin Sony's Immigrants, and that's definitely something to listen to. It's it's, it's fantastic. It's great. What a, what what a great top three. So Korsha Chakrabati, we have Anushka Shankar, and we have Nitin Sony. Bam. So final question. I hope you're ready for this one. I want to introduce you to our house band, Jazz Deep. Where once there were seven, there now stand eleven. Uh, we're growing like Topsy, but still remain the tightest, slickest, sickest band in podcast show business. So up front in our fantasy Watford Jazz Junction band, we have the indomitable Vi Red on sax. On trombone, we've got James Morrison and on trumpet, Dizzy Gillespie. In our back line, we've got Gene Harris on piano, who's a newcomer. Shirley Tete on guitar. We've got bassists, Jaco Pastorius and Christian McBride. Terry Lynn Carrington on drums and Leanne Carroll on vocals and backup keys. Plus... We've got Duke Ellington, who's duking around out front, and we have an official band artist in the form of Roger Dean. So, Jazz Deep, everyone deserves a break and an opportunity to eat their sandwiches. Who would you like to give a break to in the band, and who might you bring in in their stead? Uh-huh. Instead, can I not just add to the band because the lineup sounds really good? I'm going to let you do it because you've given us such wonderful answers, and you have a sparkle in your eye when you said it. <laughs> 
Um, so well, who are you adding? Well, I think I think um, I just obviously it needs it needs some Indian classical blood, doesn't it? Um, for sure. Yeah. I'm probably going to go with the most cliche answer of cliche Indian classical musicians, but I, it's got to be Zakir Hussain on tabla. Woo! Yeah, he's just he's just a legend in that in that sense. And I know I know Indian classical musician egos as well is that they'll want to sing or play for the entire time. <laughs> so I'll spare <laughs> them the blemishes and Zaka I'll put Zakirji in there because he is just a god and he would you know he would bring you know, he would certainly bring up the rhythm stuff um you know a hundredfold. Oh, that is super cool. And we are very excited to have added in a percussionist. Who would have thought? Um, obviously, Jazzdeep has scant regard for the person who's paying the wages to this fantastic band. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, so I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today, Jazzdeep. We're going to be waiting with bated breath for Anomaly to come out. Um, are there going to be any opportunities to hear you live in the coming months with, in relationship to that release? The, uh, not in not in relation to that release at the moment. I think we're looking at next year. Um, uh, but there is, okay. there is big news coming on that. Fingers crossed within you know within some time fingers crossed anyway fingers crossed i'm playing at the globe in newcastle i think um uh, in the summer i'm working on a a very very big project called legacy i'm currently writing for 40 indian classical musicians who are based in the uk so right up from the top players like um sukhwinder pinky who's a fantastic double player sanju sahai rupa panisa um, tarambirong um uh, singh uh, jindabal singh so we're talking 40 indian classical musicians in 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 england unbelievable um and it's in celebration of um uh, a patron's 100th birthday so i've been commissioned to write for these these 40 musicians so i'm in the thick of that at the moment and i don't know why I'm I've got the job you know when you think when I think about it I've no idea why they asked me to do it nice um, and and I'm also working on a solo record at the moment as well so um yeah things things are things are happening and things are going plodding along someone is a busy boy well thanks I mean there's just so much to look forward to uh, there and uh, obviously we can't wait to hear more about uh, legacy so if you've liked what you've listened to, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any valuable episodes. And if you want to know more about the Watford Jazz Junction, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. There's even talk of TikTok. Uh, you can email us at any time at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com, but obviously only to say lovely things. And next time we're in conversation with Steve Ruby from the 606 Club. Meanwhile, don't forget to keep your ears fresh and always connect with something new. So it's goodbye, lovely listener. It's goodbye, Jazz Deep. Oh, bye. Sorry, you can't see me. Bye. I'm waving my hand. (laughs) And it's goodbye from me. Bye.